Welcome to the Westside Investors Network. Win your community of investing knowledge for growth. This is the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast for real estate professionals by real estate professionals. This show is focused on the next step in your career, investing. Thank you for listening. And please, if you like our content, rate us on your podcast provider. Just a quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are for educational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any shares or securities, make or consider any investments or take any other action. And now, AJ and Chris Shepard. Today, we've got Bob Preston. He is the CEO and president of North County Property Group. Today, we're going to go through system automation tools and processes and what he's implemented in his property management business. Throughout this, we talk about how to identify bottlenecks, addressing pain points, and how to resolve these items and issues. This show today is for anyone looking on how to improve their business through systemization. So without further ado, let's welcome Bob Preston. All right. Today, we've got Bob Preston on the podcast with us. Bob is the owner and founder of the North County Property Group and additionally, another podcast host with the Property Management Brainstorm. Bob, do you want to tell us a little bit more more about yourself? Happy to. Yeah. As AJ just indicated, I'm Bob Preston. I'm the CEO and the broker at North County Property Group in Del Mar, California, which is San Diego County. And we've been in business for over 20 years. One of our big claims to fame is we've never had an eviction. So that's kind of a cool, cool aspect for us and something we take very seriously. We have a portfolio of uh, about 400 single family homes. I'm also very involved in the NARPM organization. And AJ, you'll get a kick out of this. We just went through the CRMC process and I've been told... We passed with flying covers, although it's nice uh, work. flying we, colors. We have although it's not official op- yet. We yeah. tasked our operations manager with doing the CRMC for NARPM and just making sure that you know the entire company is dialed in. Yeah. Why don't you explain the CRMC to our listeners here that may not may not know Shh. NARPM as well? Sure. Well, NARPM is the National Association of Residential Property Managers. It's an industry association that we're a part of, and they have several designations, if you will, where you can become certified, if you will. There's the Residential Management Pro, known as the RMP, and then there's the Master Property Management, Master Property Manager. That's the next level designation. Those are individual designations for people that are property managers or own own the companies. And then there's the Certified Residential Management Company, and this is a company-level certification where your company gets endorsed basically by NARPM, the organization, as a company who's got their act together. I mean, if you want to kind of summarize it, has good processes, is following all the proper legal formats, in compliance in all areas. And so it's kind of a nice stamp of approval from the industry you know, organization that, that we're all part of. You know, Chris and I looked at the checklist for it and it kind of provides this roadmap on like what a really high level professional company should be or the processes that they should have. So yeah, that's a big feat to get there. We are, we are working on it as well. Maybe hopefully next year we'll, we'll be getting that, but uh, cool. yeah, well, well, cool. So Bob, tell us a little bit more. How did you like get into real estate? Like where did it all start? Wow. That's a really interesting story. So I am a recovering Silicon Valley guy. I was up in the Bay Area and was in the midst of this 
really cool and fun high tech career as chief marketing officer and helped take a couple of companies public and whatnot. And this is now back in the late nineties. Okay. So kind of when Google was still not really a thing and it was the dot-com era, but I had this personal problem. I get a little emotional about this. I had three kids from, it wasn't a problem. It was just a situation where I had three kids from a previous marriage that were all down here in San Diego. Right. And they'd gotten to the age where, Hey, you know, we kind of don't like to come there anymore. And then I started coming down to San Diego on the every other weekend thing and just felt this tug, you know, kind of in my heart to change it up and get back and be a dad. Right. But it's tough to do when I lived in another city And so I was trying to live in two places. So I just made the decision one day to, I was tugging at my heart just to jump off the Silicon Silicon Valley treadmill and move back to San Diego and focus on being a dad. Just quit my job, you know, packed up my stuff, came back to San Diego, didn't know what I was going to do, did some consulting, but started buying some investment properties and managing them myself, mainly because I couldn't find a good property manager. I mean, that was bottom line. So I started doing it myself and I'd gotten my real estate license back when I graduated from college. I'd always had it, never really did anything with it. And then I had some friends, hey, I hear you're managing your properties. Would you do it for us? And then I realized, well, to do that in California, I need to get my broker's license. So I decided to get my broker's license and then started taking on assignments with other friends and whatnot. And was just kind of doing this out of my company bedroom. And for tax purposes, I had the sole proprietorship that I named North County Property Group on my Schedule E, right, for my for my federal tax return. And brick by brick started just kind of making this sort of a side business, right? It was a side complete side hustle, nothing really that I was fully committed to. And then just started to enjoy it, realized I was good at it. I've always been into real estate. And so made the decision one day, hey, I'm all in on this, right? I'm going to start promoting it had a website created. That was, This was 20 years ago. And then brick by brick, built the company to where we are today. By the way, my son, Brett, is our director of property operations and is with us full time. And so, you know, moving back to San Diego was a really good decision. And I've got this really cool business now. North I'm, kind of, I'm kind of curious, what made you make that decision to kind of go from like side hustle to like full on, I am in and doing this? Like what, what changed? That is a really good question. And being still kind of part connected as a consultant to the high-tech industry, I was still doing a lot of traveling. You know, I was remarried in the early 2000s. I still have a 16-year-old at home today. And back when she was born, I really wanted to focus more on just being around for that, right? And didn't want to be traveling and the travel burnout and the ups and downs of high-tech and stuff. So I kind of recreated myself. I was looking for that. Look, what what can I do that's just stable, that allows me to have a flexible schedule, do what I want to do the way I want to do it and have my own business. So I kind of wanted to get out from underneath having to report to somebody, you know, and (laughs) I guess that's, you know, instead of working for the man, right? I wanted to do my own thing. And so that was the impetus, I think, right? So a couple things. At what point did you get involved with NARPA? That's another really good question. It took me a while. When I first got into property management, I knew about it, I heard about it, and I registered and joined NARPM. But honestly, I didn't have time. I was, like I said, in the very early days, I was still doing this out of my spare bedroom, started doing everything. I was pretty much doing everything and then gradually built it up to the point where I could bring on some staff. We opened an office and 
it was chaotic, right? I mean, all in, just completely all in, all in financially, all in with my time. Now, this is back in the you know, early 2000s before 2010. And, you know, NARPM was there. I was aware of it, but, you know, I didn't have time to jump in the car and go to a NARPM meeting. I just didn't. And you know, I didn't kind of want to do it. And then I think it was probably about six years ago, became more aware of it, realized that, hey, there are these things I can really learn from the organization. And I was at a point where I wanted to take the company to the next level. And I needed to find out what was going on out there, not just in my own little shell, <laughs> my own little bubble. And it really has helped. And then along the way, started thinking about the certifications, got involved with the, the local chapter here in San Diego, become a, then became last year the California State Chapter President of CalNARPM, it's called. And yeah, and then next year, I'm going to be one of the regional vice presidents at the national level. So at what point did you feel like the investment that you made into NARPM like paid off? What was kind of like that breakthrough moment where it's like, oh, you know, this is too much time versus, wow, I'm getting paid back in spades. I would say probably three or four years ago where I finally felt like I'd gotten the company to the point where I didn't have to be the person that everything came through in the company. You know, I think before that stage, say, you know, before five years ago, four or five years ago, I was sort of the, you know, sort of a hub and spoke situation, right? I had really good people, but everything ran through Bob. And, you know, you guys have a podcast. I'm sure you have some really great guests and most of them I'm sure will, will say the same thing is that is no way to run a property management company. I mean, you have to get it to the point where you can have people doing their job without having to involve the president and the CEO on a daily basis. And I'd finally kind of grown the staff with dependable people and people between me and all the staff that were capable of doing that. Right. And that takes a while. I mean, you don't just get that right out of the gates when you start a property management business, unless you have huge resources to throw at it. So I think it was then, right, Chris, when I was able to step away a little bit and get more clarity breaks where I could look at what was going on in NARPM, absorb more of the information, the education I was getting there, have time for more creative thinking rather than just basic blocking and tackling. And I equate growing, well, any business, but particularly property management, as kind of a set of stair steps. So you run on your business or you run your business to a point where, you know, eventually the processes that you've put in place will break. <laughs> and then, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing it this way. We have to change, right? And then you make those adjustments, whether it's you know, something you've learned at the national level through NARPM or what you're hearing other people are doing, then boom, you, know, you take this, you take the step, right? You pop up to another level and then you run, 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 and something else breaks, you know, it's a breakdown in the process. And saying that the company was broken, but you could just tell, okay, we got to make a change. And then, so it's kind of like this stair step thing, like boom, 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 boom. Right. And NARPM really helped open my eyes to things that would help me make those steps, whether it's technology or processes or the way other people were doing things. And so that's, I think what the payback has been. So you described it as kind of stair stepping, which, which I really like. What is kind of like stepping up one of those stair steps like in terms of maybe can you give us an example of something that broke yes. and then <laughs> yes how yeah. how you fixed it and then what it's like now and you guys will laugh at this because today it's so fundamental right but when i started the business and this is back in the early 2000s remember this right 
I mean, out of my bedroom, I was still using sticky notes and spreadsheets and paper pads. And I had this process for having hard files, right? We had folders on each property. The folders had different sections in it and everything would be printed and hole punched and put into this folder. Well, that's fine when you have a small number of properties. And it went on this way for quite a while. And finally, I mean, I just got fed up with it. I mean, are you kidding me? Like, you know, you go to find something about a property or what's been going on. You got to open this paper folder. And I pushed on it for a couple of years. This is probably in 2013, 2014 now, you know, and all right, this has to be, we got to go paperless, right? Paperless. And, and so, you know, think back. I mean, think, think of maybe your companies, right? Or the company, the people you talked to eight years ago, paperless was just kind of still coming into its you know, vogue, right? So finally, I'm like, all right, this is super painful. We can't do it this way anymore. It's ridiculous. So we're going to, we're basically going to go paperless. Everything's got to go to the cloud, right? So of course, now we have a pretty powerful cloud server. All the property folders are in digital format. And we had to bring an attempt, honest to God, to scan all those folders because that was the legacy documentation, organize them into subfolders within the property folder within the cloud. And I mean, that took a long time, right? So that was a super painful one, right? Where we just made the decision, okay, we're, we're going paperless and boom. I mean, I, I can't imagine doing it any other way today. And you guys probably can't either. It seems so archaic, but that was a painful step that we had to take. That's an interesting concept of, you know, bringing in additional like project help mm-hmm. to, to get something done. I mean, I think, I know that Chris and I, lean on our employees a lot to help grow the business and, and help with the business processes. But sometimes we're reluctant to maybe hire a consultant or bring in like additional help. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's some good foresight in, in doing that rather than just pushing it on, on the employees. Well, <laughs> in this do. case, I was, you know, the team was struggling with, well, what's my motivation to make this happen? I could just sense that there was some pushback, right? That's the other thing that I found is that, you know, some of these stair steps I talk about is your team's ability to deal with change. And this was one that, I mean, it seems like a silly example now today, looking back at it, but people had become comfortable with it, right? There was this filing process and, oh, there's the folder and I could hold it and it's in my hand and I can flip through all the pages and they you know, were having a hard time conceptualizing it. And finally, after struggling to try to get it implemented for a year or more, I finally said, well, okay, this is BS. Just going to bring in a temp, somebody who can sit there all day long, one by file by (laughs) folder by miserable folder, scan these documents and then build this structure. So it was basically me, right? I just forced the issue and I hired this guy and it took him a couple months, right? But we got it done. Nice. Bob, we went through the same process. You know, we started in 2007 or 2008 and did all of our accounting in Excel and we had paper files. (laughs) So you guys can relate. (laughs) Oh yeah. But we'd only been in business, I think two or three years and we made the jump to, I think, Buildium Mm -hmm. in 2009 or 2010. And that was, that was an exciting move for us. Then switching to Appfolio, that, was a very difficult and painful process, but ended up being well worth it. That's a good example of a stair step, right? Whatever it was with Buildium at the time or whatever system you were using, you found, okay, this isn't working for us anymore. We've grown to the point where we have to take this step. 
as painful as it is, you invest the time and resources to make it happen. And then now look back, can you imagine ever doing it another way now that you've got that fully on place? I mean, it would be ridiculous to even consider that, right? But that's how it was back then. And so, you know, I think that's a really good example, Chris, of one where you have to make these decisions every now and then. And yeah, so there are lots of those in the history of the company along the way. Bob, have you have you made any more like recent implementations or or implemented anything anything else recently that has been either challenging or went swimmingly well? Well, okay, so this is really interesting timing for that conversation because and I talked to a lot of property managers too, and I think there are a lot of things in this business that are people are pushing on who are offering solutions that help us become more efficient. But to implement those solutions, it's kind of one of those stair steps. You have to be willing to step away from the way you've been doing things for a long time in the interest of efficiency, in the interest of you know, going through the pain to get things better. Right? And the pandemic kind of forced our hand on some of that stuff. I'm not going to lie. right? So I remember, gosh, this was probably now four, three or four years ago when all of us were here working at the office. And you know, we had this pretty advanced auto attendant and it would ring to our leasing agent. So someone would call in and inquire about a property. Oh, I want to see this property. And then the phone would ring at our leasing agent's desk and then it would go back. You know, she would talk to the person about, well, I can meet you at two o'clock tomorrow. Well, let me, then the, the prospective tenant, well, let me check with my husband. I got to see if that time works for him. So that hang up. Then the phone would ring again. It would be somebody different, right? This whole thing. So I was in my office listening to this go down. The phone's ringing off a hook and I'm going oh my God, there's got to be a better way to do this, right? This is ridiculous. It's bringing a company to the knees to the point where we had to hire a recep- you know, actually a receptionist who was answering and directing all these calls. And so we started exploring these automated processes for doing that kind of stuff, right? And we ended up selecting Tenant Turner. And that for, was- For those of us, those of the listeners that don't know what Tenant Turner is, you want to explain it? Well, Tenant Turner is a app where from your- rental ad or with your rental sign, whatever that is, you put them through kind of a filter where they can pick their own showing time, right? So they can call in or they can email, right? So that's where they go and your property listing pops up. And instead of directing them to call us to speak with our leasing agent, it actually allows them to pick your own showing time. So this was the first step in the process. And I mean, it reduced the number of calls coming into our office dramatically. And there are other, there are other solutions out there. There's ShowMojo, Rently, and things like that. And so this calendar, if you will, that the prospective tenant has access to syncs with our leasing managers, our leasing department's Outlook calendar so that we have it set up so that they can pick their time. Huge, huge benefit. <laughs> I mean, and, and huge efficiency gain, right? I mean, unbelievable. The one thing that Tenant Turner allows a tenant to do or a prospective tenant, if you set it to the on position is the concept of self-show. Okay. Self-showing is when, and for, I'm sure you guys know this, but for the listeners is when you put a electronic lockbox on the, on the property, on the front door or whatever. And self-show would then ask some screening questions through tenant Turner ask for their driver's license, set specific show time and day, and gives them a unique code to enter the property and see it for themselves. 
we were really reluctant to do that at first. It just seemed like blasphemy. I mean, really, we're going to send somebody we don't know to a property and they're going to walk through it themselves and depend upon them to lock it back up when they leave, turn out of the lights. And, and we were really, really reluctant to do it. But this is an area where the pandemic totally forced our hand and pushed us to do showings where they were, you know, didn't have to be guided or basically kind of the, I guess, virtual showing, if you will, was another way to do it. But it's really forced our hands. We convinced all of our owners to buy in and, you know, we're never going back now, right? It's just become super, super beneficial to the company. Yeah, we, we've implemented Tenant Turner as well. We actually charge more for in-person showings just to incentivize yeah. them to sign on to the, the self-showings. But once in a while, we'll have like condos that have doormen and you have to have someone there in order to let the person in. But That's right. Or most, you have, Most of the time, it's pretty good. Or a condo where you have some sort of security gate that you yeah. got to first get through and there's no good place to put a lockbox. And the other place we draw the line is we do some furnished rentals, vacation rentals, things like that. And, you know, if people have their stuff and their TVs and their stereo equipment, you can't just let people go in and walk around, right? So it has to be an unfurnished property. But I think that's a really good example of something, you know, a more recent one. And now, I mean, I can't imagine doing it any other way. So. Yeah, I think we're in the same boat as well. It's, I remember hearing, I think, Tim Weiner talk on like, you know, some technology and stuff. And it really hit home when he was like, yeah, last, last Christmas we had 12 showings. And you're like huh? Like someone would not know. No, they just, they did self show-ins and tenants were able to like on Christmas day, go see a place. Like you're not going to get an employee to go out on Christmas and show a place, let alone 12 different places. Like, you know, it's just so much more economical with with regards to time. So. Well, and as our company has scaled, AJ, you know, we have so many properties on the market right now and the rental market is just going on. I mean, it's like, really, really hot right now in San Diego. And so a lot of people want to see properties on the weekends. And so our team, our leasing team got kind of defensive about their weekends, right? Hey man, I can't spend my whole weekend. You want me to come here five days a week during, during the business week. And then I got to be out, you know, showing properties on Saturday and Sunday. I can't do that. I can't keep up with it. So that was another practical reason as the company has scaled to put this in place. Awesome. Well, has there been any implementations that have been like significantly challenging Yes, and we're still in the we're still in the middle of one. And one of the big buzzwords now in the property management industry is process automation. <laughs> you guys hear about you guys hear this, you know. And I don't know what you've done at Uptown, but by the way, this is important for your CRMC is having all your processes documented. So we bought into having systems manuals in place for pretty much all our key staff jobs, probably three or four years ago. And we developed these pretty detailed system manuals and can hand it to an employee when they start, or if somebody's out on vacation, we have a way to cover for them because we have these system manuals. The problem is it's a PDF on your file server that's completely static. And while it's kind of a guidebook or maybe provides the recipe for how to get a specific task done, a job, it's not necessarily practical in real time to use it because, you know, you don't always have it on your desk. And even if you do, it's kind of like that paper file thing I was talking about. You have to flip through it to find the section. Okay, this is how I do this, or, or this is the way it's supposed to be done. So we're in the midst of trying to 
automate those system manuals and put it into a form of process automation. And this is a matter of scale. <laughs> you know, there are companies that try to automate everything and almost to the point of being the Amazon of property management. And it can be very, very expensive, very, very time consuming. And then there are some middle ground solutions. There's some really simple things like Process Street. You've probably heard of some of these solutions where you just kind of, you, you know, you have this thing that's online and takes people through the process and they check it as they're completed. And at the very top, there's, you know, huge automation companies that are out there too, like RentBridge, you know, and you charge a lot of money. It takes six months to implement. So, you know, we're trying to find where we fit on that, I guess, spectrum, if you will, or on that scale of what we want to do and how we want to do it. And so we've been working on that one, if that makes sense. Sure. So Bob, we've kind of been going through a a similar process with Lead Simple. Yeah. And what we're finding is that even though we've kind of thought that, you know, we're doing the same tasks over and over again, and it should be able to be automated. One thing that we're struggling a little bit with is kind of unplanned items, things that pop up randomly that are maybe one off or maybe once or twice or three times a year. And it's not like everyday things. And those are, you know, a little difficult. Like, do you create a new process for something that's happening ever so often? Or is that something an experienced person just handles? Well, I'd love to hear your take on those. No, it's a really good question. And we've (laughs) joked about it. Like, okay, everything doesn't have to be a process. You don't have to have a process for finding the spare toilet paper when we're out in the bathroom. You know, (laughs) we all know it's in the supply cabinet and you go there and if you're out of toilet paper, you know, we're kind of kidding around, right? Like uh, you don't need to, you don't need to complete a process for that or, 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 you know, how to make a cup of coffee in the kitchen. I mean, those are all, you know, it's so, yeah. I mean, they're always the one-offs and there are the things that are outside the box where you still need your team to be creative. And, and that's when I get into this, well, how much is too much? In fact, I did a podcast episode called Process Automation, How Much is Too Much? Like, when do you get to the point where you're trying to automate everything so much that there's no human element, right? I mean, this is still a person-to-person business, right? It's still very much a contact, trust element with our clients, with our tenants and I just find it really difficult to believe that you can be an Amazon of property management and have that be completely successful. That's just my opinion. So we're also doing the lead simple process automation or not not really process automation. It's more of a process operations where it's, I think what the lead simple solution is good for is kind of helping organize that pass off from person to person where you have a process that depends upon a successful baton handoff to another individual in the organization. I mean, good example is our business development manager signs a new property. He wants to go back out and hunt, bring on new properties, but that's got to be passed off or handed to the next person in line, which is typically someone on the property management team. And then we have an onboarding, you know, somebody who handles the onboarding process, gathering the keys, you know, getting the insurance documents, making sure we have avoided check or the, so we have this onboarding form, right? And then finally it gets to the point where we're taking photos and we're and we're building the list and all this kind of the, the listing and all this kind of stuff. And those are all really critical aspects that need to be passed off from person to person. And I think the lead simple process helps with that because it can assign that next step. That's something that a static PDF on your file server cannot do, right? 
So I think that solution is, has been, you know, we're just still learning it, to be honest, Chris, and still getting up to speed on it, but it has a lot of promise for us. How has the adoption been within your staff? Resistant, right? <laughs> yeah. You guys are probably seeing that too. Like, hey, I know how to do this. Why do I need to go through this? Why, you know? And so we've kind of had to force the issue a little bit and make sure that people are doing it. And so we've set KPIs for all of our staff members. And, and basically, one of the KPIs is using, using Lead Simple, you know, using the Lead Simple process automation. The other thing we like about it, by the way, is that, and this is kind of like what Chris said, these one-off examples would come up or maybe something we hadn't planned for or maybe unique situations or maybe something that exposed a gap in our defined process. Well, that can be solved by having a property management staff meeting really quickly. You pull up Lead Simple and on the fly, you make the change, right? Whereas in the old system manual approach, okay, got to pull up the original Word document, add it in, you know, section five, paragraph 1A, all right, add this section, you know, it's kind of silly. So we found that these system manuals were much more difficult to keep updated, whereas this now can be done real time. Maybe it's a new staff member gets introduced and you've got to pull a new staff member and add them into the, the handoff process. And, but that can all be done pretty easily through Lead Simple. So talking about systems, like one of the things that we all struggle with are, I mean, AJ and I are, are bottlenecks, like yeah. identifying what the bottlenecks are and resolve it like in figuring out what the root issue is and then resolving that issue and either increasing capacity or decreasing the amount of flow to those bottlenecks. Do you feel like you're experiencing those same type of issues and how do you approach, you know, those bottlenecks when they come up? Yeah, that's probably another good analogy for what I described as the stair step. You know, you're, you're going charging, 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 then all of a sudden, for some reason, something breaks and you hit a wall, right? That's sort of like, I think what you're describing with the bottleneck, maybe a little bit anyway, it's taking that next step to correct the way people are doing things and adding efficiency into the process. And it's one thing I've really missed, Chris, about the pandemic, because we're still in California, the Delta variant is raging on, on COVID, and we're still reluctant to bring everybody back on a mandatory basis to the office. We had planned on that for August 1st, you know, so this has kind of been disappointing. But the thing I've missed the most is being able to kind of watch people and hear people in their daily jobs. And the intuitive observation, or just based on listening to people, you can pick up on those bottlenecks. It's much more difficult in this environment where most people are working remote because I don't get to watch people do their daily jobs. And sometimes I would walk around the office and I'd go, God, I heard that conversation. You know, why are you doing it that way? And they, you know, sometimes the response would be, well, that's the way I was taught to do it like five years ago. You know, I mean, it's like, what the heck, you know, use some creative thinking here. This is, if this isn't working, like, let's bring up some, let's brainstorm this. So I think staying in touch with your team, always pulling out items where they might be hitting those bottlenecks and then just correcting them through maybe it's a, maybe it's a process change, maybe it's a new technology, maybe it's a new tool, you know, having the, the resources to make that happen. I always like to tell my team, hey, there's resources and then there's resourcefulness. And I, I believe <laughs> that, right? And I believe that 90% of bottlenecks and when you hit those steps can typically be handled through resourcefulness and brainstorming to solve the issue rather than throwing money at a problem. 
Yeah, that's something we struggle with too. I guess to highlight an example of a bottleneck for us is we have really been struggling with turnovers and figuring out how to fit that into our lead simple system. Like when it comes to, we're always balancing like, okay, when do we start our marketing? Because we want to reduce the amount of vacancy for the property owner as as much as possible. But then as well, you know, we've got bottlenecks with contractors and just like the actual possibility of that turnover being completed on time. And then, you know, with it being summertime as well, and our property management company being, you know, the largest that it's ever been, we're experiencing more turnovers than we've ever experienced, especially, you know, as the pandemic has ended. And there are many, many, many people who have been waiting patiently to, to be able to move. Yes. And so it's been just like, I feel like we've been reinventing the wheel multiple times trying to, to get it done. And I'd love to hear, you know, what your process might be like and how you balance, I guess, that thin line between like getting a property marketed and getting a ton of applicants in and knowing exactly when that turnover is going to be complete. Oh man, I wish I had a nail down answer for this one because this, (laughs) no, I feel your pain on this. I mean, it's changed in the last six months, well, maybe, maybe let me say nine months, it's changed like back and forth to how we do this several times. So you're right. I mean, during the pandemic, we were like, okay, we're not doing any showings. We'll put the property on the market a week before. This is the, we kind of put these rules in place, right? We'll put it, we'll put the property in the market a week before the tenant moves out, but we're not going to do any showings till the property's vacant and we've had it clean. Right, so we have these kind of hard and fast so, rules. So the co- turnover is complete. Like, if there's any work, like touch-up paint or well, any that, it depends upon the condition of the property. Is it showable? Okay. So we'd have to make this determination, but we wouldn't do any showings until at least the previous tenant had moved out. Right, back in the old days, we used to ask tenants if we could come in and show it. So anyway, the pandemic sort of forced us to do it a certain way. And I remember last, I think it was last November and December, we had like 15 properties on the market. And it just like, just seemed like we were at the height of the pandemic. You know, nobody knew what to do. Nobody wanted to move. And it was super frustrating. So we tried to do our best to, you know, push these properties. And so that was one scenario. And then what we found is we put these policies in place. And when the market has heated up, you know, more recently, we'll put a property on the market, say on a Friday. And by Monday, we not only have like 50 inquiries, but we have, we'll have 20 applications and nobody's even seen the property yet. Right. So what do you do about that? So, you know, it's really been completely different. The lights are turning back on. I think people are coming back into San Diego from having lived remote during the height of the pandemic. They're coming back, their companies are reopening. People are, you know, needing a rental properties. There's a shortage of inventory in the market. It's been a crazy, crazy time. So in the last, I'm, I'm not kidding, you know, six to nine months, we've had, to, we've had to completely change those processes to the point where it's almost needing adjustments on a weekly basis to make it efficient. Because what was happening is we were getting all these applications and we were trying to, we were trying to screen them all legitimately and, and show them all the property. And then eventually we'd have to make a decision and we were pissing people off, right? Because we had taken their application, taken their money, Maybe we leased the place before they could see it. It was just like this this feeding frenzy on these properties. And so we had to, we had to make some adjustments along the way to adapt to that. I think that's a really good example, actually. So I don't have a perfect 
perfect answer for you, but I can tell you it's something that we, we talk about every week at our weekly staff meeting and we make adjustments accordingly. And you know, it kind of depends upon how many properties you have on the market at a current time as well. Interesting. Well, it's getting to be about that time. AJ, do we want to start with our last four questions? I would love to. I will start us off. What's one piece of advice you would give to your 25-year-old self? Oh my gosh. Eyes wide open to new opportunities and don't be so focused on perhaps, you know, the thing you think you're going to do with your career because it's probably going to be different 20 years from now. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, just just being open and and curious. Yes. Watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> I love how he just described, you know, being curious as an awesome trait. Yeah. You know, you, you find out a lot about people if you're curious. It's interesting because I told you guys, I mean, I, I, I finished school. I, I got my MBA at UC Irvine and my wife at the time was studying for her real estate license. And I was looking, they, they, they were doing it by, in books back then, right? She had this binder from Century 21 <laughs> or something, right? Remember those days? And I'm all, I know, I know all this stuff, you know? So I kind of, on a whim, sat for the test, passed. And then here I am, you know, many, many, many years later, I'm actually using it. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I just sort of did it for fun. That That's crazy. I guess... It's a little different now that you have to complete 160 hours of education yes. and yes. it's a little bit different. Some some low bars to jump over. There's some hoops. That's pretty easy. <laughs> okay. What was your first entrepreneurial endeavor? Oh gosh. My whole career has been entrepreneurial endeavors, but mostly working for other companies. I think my first true entrepreneurial endeavor was starting my consulting business, which started out gangbusters. And this is when I, this is a whole nother story. When I first came back to San Diego, I told you that story and and I didn't really know what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. I didn't know what I was going to do. Kind of wanted more flexibility, wanted to spend more time with my family. So I started this consulting business and it took off like a rocket. This is now early 2000s before I had kind of gone all in on property management, hired some team members to help with these different projects. And I just remember on September 11th, 2001, watching the you know planes crash into the <laughs> Twin Towers going, oh my God, this is bad, right? And, and I literally, the next day, had companies calling and canceling all their contracts because, of course, a meteor had just hit the earth and nobody uh. knew what was going to happen with the financial markets and whatnot. And literally kind of pushed us. We tried to struggle to keep the consulting business going. And this is one of the other, I think, events along the way that made me change and want to get into something that you know I knew I could manage without having dependence on like one or two big clients, right? And property management really allows you to do that because you have a, you know, hopefully you have a broad portfolio with lots of different owners and no one of them can, you know, kill your business overnight. So I eventually got out of that. The business kind of unraveled due to the economic times. (laughs) Okay. Understandable. Yeah. All right. Next question. How has your formal and informal training shaped your journey? Well, the formal training I would say would have to go back to when I decided to get my MBA and got this sort of broad brushed exposure to business in general, understanding concepts behind finance and accounting and how to run 
a business, that was really, really good for me and gave me the confidence to take some of those entrepreneurial steps. I think the informal training was in Silicon Valley when I was exposed to some pretty big time and successful CEOs who ran their business kind of in the Silicon Valley way. And I know there's a HBO show called Silicon Valley where they make fun of it and whatnot. But some of the free thinking and, and ways to get people to contribute to ideas and thinking outside the box and being willing to try things and fail at new ideas. You know, these are all things that that informal training as being a part of an executive team at another company really did for me. And I still use a lot of tricks and tips and things that I've learned from previous CEOs in my business today. And just the way I communicate with the staff, being open to surrounding myself with good people, being open to new ideas, not thinking like I have all the, all the right answers. I mean, those are really important traits for any leader and entrepreneur. Okay. And <laughs> what was your biggest mistake and what did you learn? Oh man, my biggest mistake. Oh, wow. You guys could have prepped me on this one. I would have really uh, that. I think that means that Chris needs to get the email updated for the, the template that we send out. Because we do send out these four questions prior to the... the I told Nez to update it. <laughs> oh, you guys are good. It's just a, how many mistakes have I made in my life? And right? One, right? I know. I mean, how can you characterize one as the biggest? <laughs> I'm going to change the narrative on you guys, right? I'm gonna, instead of talking about my biggest mistake, I'm going to talk about the best decision I ever made. I like it. All right. Because I still get a little emotional about it. And the best decision I ever made was jumping off the Silicon Valley treadmill and moving back to San Diego to be closer to my family. Right. And I get, do get a little emotional when I talk about this because it's, you know, I felt kind of vulnerable at the time. I was struggling with it, was having to face some of the decisions I made, you know, during that time of my life and living away. And I just stepped up and I made the, I decided to make the change. Best decision I've ever made in my life. Wow. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. All right. So sorry to change the narrative, but no, I, no. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's really what goes along with like what we're preaching on here too, is yeah. that you're in real estate business, the property management business, but you know, owning real estate and investing in real estate provides you a freedom and allows for you to, you know, spend that time where you want to spend that time yes. in your cases yeah. with your family and you know, it's, it's really what we are, this whole podcast is about is, you know, the motivation to get into the ability to, to have some freedom in your work and what you do so that you can spend your time how you want to spend it. Well, and freedom in your health and happiness. And at the time I had this amazing career up in the Bay Area of California, loved it. The social dynamics were amazing, you know, all the things that that area offers to you. But hey, I mean... I had something else that was tugging at my heart. You have to listen to that kind of stuff, right? And step up and do what you have to do for your health and happiness. And that's what I did. And I have never looked back and it's been pretty good living ever since. So, <laughs> Well, Bob, it has been absolutely wonderful having you on the show. If our listeners want to get a hold of you or learn more about you or listen to your podcast, do you want to just give a quick synopsis of how they can get a hold of you? Sure. Yeah. My company is North County Property Group in Del Mar, California, NC, as in North County, ncpropertygroup.com. That's a good way to reach me. My email, bob at ncpropertygroup.com. And the podcast is 
as you might think from the name about brainstorming new concepts in property management, kind of like what we did today, talking to people who have different perspectives on it. And that's called Property Management Brainstorm. You can Google it and it'll pop up. And yeah, it's out on all the top directories, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and the like. So yeah, go there. I also do some episodes for NARPM Radio, right? So I've been doing some recording for them and multi-purposing some of my podcasts for NARPM Radio. So if you go to the NARPM Radio, Google that, that podcast will pop up and you'll catch some of my episodes there as well. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you guys. This has been thank fun. Thank you so much. It's yeah. been a, a great conversation and great to get to know you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And Chris, good getting to know you. I've known AJ now for about a year and it's been fun talking to you today as well. Thanks. Cool. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Professionals Investing Podcast on WIN, your community of investing knowledge for growth. We hope that this episode has increased your knowledge and added value to your path to freedom. If you would, please take a second to rate us so that we can get more great investors to interview. If you or someone that you know wants to be on, please visit westsideinvestors.com and fill out our form to be on the show. Thank you again and enjoy your day.